0: and American national insurance. To Dine for the Podcast is brought to you by Riazul Tequila, referred to as one of the best sipping tequilas on the market. It comes from the highlands of Jalisco, 7,200 feet above sea level. Riazul's agave has a higher sugar content, lending itself to a sweeter taste profile. If you are looking for a true sipping tequila with extraordinary depth after being aged two years in a cognac barrel you'll have to try Riazul Tequila. Cheers, everyone. To Dine for the Podcast is brought to you by Lavazza. Four generations of the Lavazza family have been working to perfect the art of blending coffee since 1895, with a devotion to making coffee moments special. Signature blend Lavazza Classico, with its intensely rich flavor and sweet aromatic notes, is a celebration of the Italian way of life in every cup, and is available Anyway, you brew your coffee. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. Hi, everyone. Welcome to To Dine for the Podcast, where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Cynthia
1: Germanata. We just want you to take care of yourself, and we're here for that. We want all youth to know that we love them, that they're valued, and that they are needed, and that we have tools and resources to help them.
0: Cynthia Germanata is a change agent working to change the stigma around mental health, particularly youth mental health. After working for years as a telecommunications executive, she co founded the Born This Way Foundation with her famous daughter lady gaga where she is currently serving as the president the born this way foundation seeks to build a kinder braver world they support teenagers struggling with their mental health journey by conducting research funding mental health focused projects in the classroom and organizing service events among many other projects on behalf of the foundation Germanata has done service work to destigmatize the mental health situation in this country including speaking at the u.n She is also the World Health Organization's Goodwill Ambassador for Mental Health, and she serves in leadership roles in various women's empowerment organizations. In addition to being an advocate, Germanata also owns an Italian restaurant, Joanne, in New York City. Please enjoy my interview with Cynthia Germanata. How are you, Cynthia? Good, how are you? Cynthia, thank you so much for agreeing to be on to Dine for the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to
1: talk to you and uh, look forward to it.
0: I am really looking forward to this conversation. This is a podcast about creativity, innovation, and great food. And who better to talk about great food than someone who owns a restaurant in New York City, Joanne, right? Tell me about Joanne.
1: Yes. Oh, Joanne is a, a, a family project. We're foodies and, you know, grew up at the kitchen table, uh, not only myself and my husband and our families, but our girls and our children. And my husband has a background in culinary, and it was something he always wanted to do. And so here we are with Joann's. It's inspired and named after his sister, who unfortunately passed away many years ago, but it's really a celebration of her life and, you know, and and what it means to us. And um, it's also inspired by Family dishes, family recipes. Uh, We have a little cookbook that uh, my husband published that has a lot of interesting facts about that in it. So it's it's we're just we're very excited to have it now. It interestingly it launched in the same month as our foundation, as Born This Way Foundation. So both have been around for about eleven years. Wow! In fact, in the early days of Born This Way Foundation, when we didn't really have an official office. I hosted many meetings there. Um, wow. With our team, with potential partners. So it has a very special place there as well in Born This Way Foundation history.
0: It's funny, I used to live on the Upper West Side. And so I have, uh, every time I go back to New York, I usually stay on the Upper West Side. I've, I've walked by Joanne several times and I've made a mental note, I need to go to that restaurant and check it out. So I usually start this podcast by asking the guests their favorite restaurant, like if you could pick anywhere to go and take me that is a place that you love. That's not Joanne, right? Not the restaurant that you own. But is there a place that is a nod to your culture is a place that you just really love maybe you went with your family that you could share with us very
1: much so of course i have to joanne's would be of course the top of my (laughs) list and there's a few that i would love to share with you but the the one that speaks to me and has a special place in my heart is a very small uh, and intimate restaurant in Wheeling, West Virginia, called Figaretti's. I grew up in West Virginia. Did you? Yeah, and uh, in a very small town, so food was at the center, really, of our family. All we had three home cooked meals every day, but dining out for us was a treat. And Figaretti's, which has been around. I would say since the the 1940s, really, it's been around for many, many years. Is a family owned Italian restaurant from the community, and I think there are about five generations now of family members that have taken over the restaurant.
0: There's something so special about a family run restaurant, figuretti's. Yes. What would you
1: order when you would go there? I go between two dishes. I love their the classic capellini with meatballs. They're known for mm. their sauce. Uh, That's actually how they started. They started just jarring their sauce and selling it and people loved it. So they opened a restaurant. So I would either order that or the area actually has incredible fresh fish. um, So I might also order one of their fish dishes, but there are so many favorites and uh, I have a very, very fond spot in my heart for that restaurant. It's it's very, very much family and community based.
0: I love it. I really feel like someone's favorite restaurant begins to tell their story. I did not know you were from West Virginia. The fact that you picked an old school Italian restaurant there really speaks to kind of your roots. So thank you for sharing that. Of um, course. I am fascinated by your journey with the Born This Way Foundation just this past week, I saw your beautiful daughter do a magnificent job at the Oscars, and I know that you co-founded Born This Way Together. Can you tell me what was the inspiration and at one point did you say we need to do this?
1: Uh, well, first, thank you for commenting on her performance. It was a very special moment, mm-hmm. and she was very proud just to be part of the evening. The inspiration for the foundation was twofold. I would say first and foremost, it was the experiences that she had that contributed to her own mental health journey that started Mm. in middle school. And that combined with stories that we heard from other young people around the world, you know, the the older she got and started performing. Those are really the two main things that truly inspired the foundation and
0: what happened in middle school and and what was that journey like for you as her mother
1: yeah she well she let's just say you know people talk about youth being different and i like to change that perspective that they're just unique and mm. because she was unique that wasn't always appreciated by her mm-hmm. peers so there was you know a lot of mean spirited things that happened that led her you know took a very confident and self-assured young woman and, you know, made her start to doubt herself and mm-hmm. feel devalued. And she developed anxiety and depression in middle school. And that later turned into to many other things that mm-hmm. just continued, you know, to follow her. And one thing that she noticed very importantly that she has written about since then was the absence of kindness mm-hmm. at, at the time and also the lack of appropriate resources to get help and i would say that's where mm-hmm. i felt as a parent most lacking i mm-hmm. didn't really understand any of the warning signs of a mental health issue and you know i think the way that i grew up i talk about intergenerational differences we didn't really talk about or right. address the emotional issues so you know i think i chalked it up to teenage behavior mm-hmm. when in fact she was really hurting and struggling and i felt helpless to get her the support that she needed and so those were really the two things that were at the core of that were were kindness and mental health which we know are very much linked and you know she feels that somebody had a choice to be kind to her and and they weren't and mm-hmm. it deeply affected her this happens to many other youth as as well and i think what i'm most proud of is that she was able to channel that into doing good. And it really became for both of us and our family, in fact, uh, a a family mission, a family passion to create an organization that better equipped young people to deal with their struggles. um, than she felt that she was.
0: Is there an age that you have identified as the most vulnerable for potential warning signs of mental health? You mentioned middle school for Lady Gaga, but I'm just wondering in general, you know, as you've done so much research, is there a time that parents should really have their antenna up for a time where it could really affect their young minds?
1: Yeah, that I mean that's a wonderful and also a challenging question to answer. Because I think we should always, as parents, be looking for and asking our children about their mental health, about their emotions. And that's one thing that we do is is help parents learn how to have those conversations. That's also a reason that young people don't come to their parents Mm -hmm. as often as maybe we would like, because we don't share our own vulnerabilities. We don't talk about those emotions at times they feel judged and so that can prevent them from from coming to us to talk to us there are many stages where we should be looking at that but two in particular Make young people very vulnerable. And one is about that age that my daughter was about 50% of mental health issues developed by the age of 14. Okay. And, you know, that's a time of puberty transition, wanting to feel, you know, valued and cooled and part of groups. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard time, you know, for young people. So I think that transition from childhood to young adult is one we certainly need to be looking at very carefully. And the other key transition point for young people is when they leave the home to mm. go out on their own, whether that's to college or to work or, you know, whatever, uh, wherever their journey may be taking them. Those are two really vital transitional points that are key indicators for mental health and and many other issues. That said, it also can happen at very, very early and young ages. What did you do at that
0: time in your life with your daughter to help her?
1: I did not do as much as as I feel that I should have. I -hmm. I struggled with how to help. We did have a close and do have a close relationship and were able to talk about some things. But what I learned later Mm -hmm. is that she didn't tell me everything because Mm -hmm. she was embarrassed Mm -hmm. and she felt uncomfortable talking about those things with me. So I certainly struggled with how to help, which I think led to another statistic that is a hard one to hear is it can take 10 up to 10 years or more for a mental health issue to be diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately that was the case for my daughter. It took many, many years because I, I know that I wasn't looking for that, you know, and she was struggling. I think on the positive side, We got help. Uh, We were able to. And over the years, we have talked through this and I've have come to better understand how to listen and validate both of my girls when they're having issues and and have deeper conversations with them. I just wish I had had better tools at that point. We'll have
0: more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors
2: right at home.
1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters, it seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National Companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. To Dine for the Podcast is brought to you by Riazul Tequila, referred to as one of the best sipping tequilas on the market. It comes from the highlands of Jalisco, 7,200 feet above sea level. Riazul's agave has a higher sugar content, lending itself to a sweeter taste profile. If you are looking for a true sipping tequila with extraordinary depth after being aged two years in a cognac barrel, you'll have to try Rizul Tequila. Cheers, everyone. Now back to our conversation. Lady Gaga has been such a champion of validating every person's journey, whatever that looks like, right? And um, making everyone feel special. That has really kind of been her ethos since the very beginning. What did you think when she came to you and said, you know, I want you to really help me with this foundation. I want you to spearhead it and be a part of it. What was your thoughts? And was it something that you really wanted to take on or were you a little bit overwhelmed?
1: No I I was very proud I was excited and honored to do it very grateful that she asked me I have to tell you though I was I was surprised at one thing and that thing was that she was so young mm-hmm. when she came to me with with that great desire and mm-hmm. I thought she'd be much later into her life and career before starting a foundation so I was surprised by that, but also excited because the work that we do is about cultural change and a behavioral shift. So we knew that it would take years, if not decades, to to really make some impact and have a change. So it's uh, a lot of our partners said they they were excited and proud of her for stepping up at such a young age to start a foundation. So no, I, I was excited. I was also, of course, I had some trepidations because I I came out of the business world. So I felt pretty comfortable with my business skills, but I didn't know the philanthropic space. So I spent a lot of time, you know, talking with, you know, wonderful organizations that knew far better than I did what that space is like. So it's it's been a continuing and an ongoing education process for me, but I'm very grateful. How do you think COVID changed the mental health crisis in this
0: country? And how did COVID impact all of the different services that were a part of, of healing that mental health journey for so many people?
1: You know, I, I think we're all different coming out of the other side of COVID. And, you know, looking at kindness and mental health, mental health issues were already on the rise with young people before the the pandemic and covid and the whole situation there really exacerbated the challenges that many young people are facing they experienced greater levels of isolation of loneliness of disconnection uh, from mm-hmm. their routines from the communities that they know and love and their friends and you know but although i'm i'm really encouraged by the increased focus on mental health now at many levels you know federal state uh, global levels i also feel it's very urgent that we get resources and education into the hands of youth as well as those who support them and i feel it, it saddens me because i feel with every passing day we're losing an opportunity to help young people so, I am concerned but encouraged at the same time we're doing some very exciting things at the foundation to help to counter to this.
0: Can you share a little bit about them and and what advice would you give to someone who is struggling with mental health, especially a young person?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know we have a, a wonderful platform of resources for young people that essentially create safe spaces for them to acquire skills and then ultimately opportunities to put them into practice. Some of these resources already existed before the pandemic. Some have come about as a result of our research coming out of the pandemic. Uh, A couple of key things that we're doing to address the situation. One is our campaigns to reconnect young people and build community. One that is very exciting to me is called Be Kind 365, Mm. uh, which is a a jump off of another campaign we had called Be Kind 21. But this is an invitation to really intentionally integrate kindness into your life and into your communities all year round. It's a, a, a new and exciting platform that's online, you know, either on your phone or also on your laptop and has kindness generators. It has what we call our own GPS, a gratitude postal service, send mm-hmm. kindness to anyone, anywhere in the world, and just incredible ideas for, for connecting youth. So, so we're, we're reconnecting through platforms like that. We are focused on peer-based education. Uh, we know through our research that when a young person is having a mental health crisis or situation, they would prefer to turn to a peer whether that be a friend or a romantic partner. And it's also a way of building community. So we've have co-developed a peer-based education with our partners in Canada. They're called Jack.org. And it's an online 90 minute training in three languages in English, Spanish and French that helps you learn how to have the right conversations about mental health with a peer and ultimately direct and connect that individual to support. And it's a a very simple but rules-based method of having that conversation. The training is fantastic. There are videos, there are real life examples that address all all sorts of different communities. So peer-based education is something we are also doing. And we're also furthering our research to really understand how youth now perceive kindness and mental health, coming out of the pandemic. Mm.
2: And
1: the findings are really interesting. Despite how difficult it's been for them, they're very altruistic and optimistic. They want to help one another. They believe that kindness is the way forward, mm. uh, which is incredible. You know, it shows us the resilience and the commitment of, of this generation. They've also told us things that improve their mental health are actually very simple it's things like encouraging them when they're doing good, mm. checking in on them, uh, listening to them when they have a problem, you know, and and validating their emotions. So, so those are just a few of the things that we're seeing and learning and focusing on. And my advice certainly to anyone experiencing a mental health issue is: first, know that your feelings are very real.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: okay to have them. Yes, and there is hope to come through that and come out of it, to please ask for resources. And we have a Get Help Now page on our website that has a uh, just a myriad of really wonderful resources. And also know that it only takes one person to, to really be there to support you and think about who that person would be and who you would trust and who you would be willing to go to and and open up and talk about the issues that you're facing.
0: It's interesting because, you know, so often we think kindness comes from how you're taught at home, right? Like your kindness, you're around kindness, you become kind. And Mm -hmm. so it would be very easy to write people off and say, well, if someone is not a naturally kind person, that's not a skill they could learn. And from what, if I'm hearing you correctly, one of the work of the, of the Born This Way Foundation is to actually teach kindness model kindness and show it in various ways so so at least someone is aware of how they're treating people and and the fact that they can
1: change is is that correct it's absolutely correct you know we do uh, i don't know if teaching it is the right word but mm-hmm. there are ways that we can show people how to be kind i mean i believe that people innately have that ability you know to be kind We don't always Mm. practice it. You know, Mm -hmm. in a way, we refer to it as like a muscle. You have to exercise it. Definitely. What we do is just help people through that process and give them tools to learn how to integrate kindness into their everyday life, give them examples of what it is, talk about what it really means. I mean, we define kindness as doing something for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Mm -hmm. Young people define kindness, though as action, that Mm -hmm. it should be something that is tangible, that is actionable. And we also know that it does improve their mental health. You know, anyone that receives it, experiences it, or even observes an active kindness. Yes. It's contagious, right? It's It's contagious. contagious. It can help your mental health, right?
0: Yeah. You know, I'm really curious to find out what some of your research says about social media, because we've heard over and over again how negative social media, the impact of social media, especially on young girls, for sure. And I'm sure boys as well, but just how do you combat that? Because it's, it's pervasive. It's everywhere. Everyone, you know, so many young people are on social media and it affects them and, and how they see themselves and how they see the world and the comparison game. I'm just wondering what your research is saying and how parents who are listening, Might want to be aware of the impact that it's having on their children's mental health.
1: Yeah. Uh, Look, unfortunately, I think both of what you said are true. You know, we see bad as well as good on Mm -hmm. social media. More often, though, we hear from young people that it can be a place of comfort for them, especially certain communities, whether that be the LGBTQ community, trans Mm -hmm. communities are finding a comfort online through different organizations and and different ways of connecting to young people, having conversations, talking about their community. So unfortunately, we're seeing both. But I I also feel it's, you know, the social media is a very powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And I think it's up to us as educators, parents, adults, role models, to show young people how to use those tools wisely. And I know that's integrated into some educational programs. It's called digital media literacy. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, you have this tool, these are the really appropriate and wise ways to be using those tools.
0: Do you have any exciting new projects on the horizon that you're able to share that you're working on? Anything you'd like to share?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, yes, we always are. In one in particular, well, a few. Uh, research. So we're always continuing to spread our wings in the research area. It's been important to us from the very beginning that the voice of young people be present in our work and that they guide and shape our work. So we continue to learn from young people through our research, and that actually informs the programs that we develop. And uh, one very exciting one that we have coming up is called the Storytellers Club. Hmm. And it's it's an adjunct of a platform that we have called Channel Kindness, which is a digital space for young people to share stories of kindness hmm. and resilience in their communities. We often hear very negative stories about young people when we know, in fact, that they're doing good and they want to make a difference in their communities. Um, what the Storytellers Club does is basically teaches young people how to tell those stories and how to start opening up. And writing about their own stories and journaling, if you will, and which is part of, of the Storytellers Club. You actually receive a journal that has prompts that help you answer certain questions about your life and life in general. So we're very, very excited about the Storytellers Club, about the research, about Be Kind 365, and many other skills and tool based things that we are developing.
0: Uh, You mentioned how impactful social media can be positively, especially if you are living in a small town and the only way you have to connect with other people that you feel you connect with is on social media. Lady Gaga certainly did this with her music. It's a music is a beautiful, wonderful way to unite people. What do you wish people knew about mental health and and how
1: do we destigmatize someone's mental health journey? Uh, it's a wonderful question. I think what I wish the most is that people knew that it's common, right? It, mm. it, the word normal is, may be the wrong one to use, but it's normal to confront difficult times and challenges in your life, whether that be something like anxiety and depression or even more severe. And also know that in so many cases, people can come through this and come out on the other side, and learn how to manage it well and live just a wonderful, happy and thriving life. So I have the good fortune of seeing that with a lot of young people that are able to come through it. But it comes down to them having the proper resources to be able to do it. And I think that's where all of us come in. There's no more urgent and important time than now to have those tools and skills and opportunities for young people and there's hope
0: there is hope and i will tell you i'm the mom of three young boys 8 6 and 4 and you know i'm always thinking you know what what can i be doing now to yeah. ensure that they live a life that is uniquely their own and that their experience is validated and that their mental health journey is a strong one And, you know, it sounds crazy, but I think, you know, you touched on a couple of them. I I think the first is to really listen to your children. They sort of tell you who they are, don't they? If you really listen, what else would you add to that? Because there's a lot of moms will be listening as to they want to help and they just don't know how, right? We're all on this journey together.
1: Yeah. I think what I would add is when you have those conversations with your children, Or whoever you're caring for, talk about mental health the same as you would talk about physical health. Mm. It's, you know, my daughter often says, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So it's up to us to ask, you know, how they're doing and and how they're feeling. I I think that's incredibly important. And my the work I do with the World Health Organization, we say there is no health without mental health. Mm -hmm. So I think setting a a framing with your children that that's part of your physical health is your emotional health. Mm-hmm. So have those conversations early, and also model that with your mm. children. I mean, one way to break down stigma is if we also, as parents, share our own vulnerabilities and maybe mm. share a moment where you're not having such a great day either, and what can you both do to to make it better, you know, for one another. So I think those are are two really great places to start. It all comes down to modeling and creating a safe space where they can have that conversation and feel comfortable.
0: The foundation is called Born This Way. Obviously, Lady Gaga wrote a song. Um, What does Born This Way mean to you? And why are you so proud to have that as the name of the
1: foundation? Oh, I mean, Born This Way to me means that we care about all youth. We're very much an inclusive organization and you don't need to change anything at all about yourself. We just want you to take care of yourself. And we're here for that. We want all youth to know that we love them, that they're valued and that they are needed and that we have tools and resources to help them.
0: Fantastic. Cynthia, it's wonderful to talk to you today. I hope to someday come to Joanne and dine at your restaurant. And I'm I'm so inspired by the work that you're doing and continue to do for youth everywhere
1: involving mental health. So thank you, thank you for this time today. Thank you so much for shining the light on this, this subject and for having me on, I appreciate it. Thanks
0: for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at To Dine For With Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National. Lavazza and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golmer. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers! Stay hungry and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon.
1: Hold up.